Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Jesus says, you know, speaks on the Lord's Prayer, and then he talks about fasting, and people have misunderstood that passage. They've misapplied it, I should say, where he says, don't mar your face and all that. People think you shouldn't ever talk about fasting, that it should be totally secret, and I don't think that's what the passage means. I think it means don't act like fasting depletes you, you know, dark Cheeks on you, and you're on sunken eyes. Oh, I'm fasting. Uh, you know, oh, if we get through this, if we can just get through this fast, maybe we can have a good year the rest of the year. You know, that's, I think that's what he's saying. So what I, what I'm loving here is a church that says, yes, we're fasting. It's not something bizarre or weird. It's not, we're fasting. We're fasting together. Some one way, some another way, some more or less, whatever, but we're fasting. But it doesn't deplete us or discourage us. It gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now, I want to, uh, just before I read the 23rd Psalm, I'd like for you to bow your head and Pray with me the Lord's Prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for your goodness and your mercy to us generation after generation. And I thank you for the stripes that have healed us. Thank you for the Savior who died for us. Thank you for the empty tomb that assures us of life eternal. And thank you for heaven which awaits us all through and by the name of Jesus who taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you'll take those in turn to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Listen, let me give you the revised Rutland translation of that verse. The Lord prepares a table before me and makes my enemies stand aside and watch while I eat. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And when my life is over here on earth, I will dwell with him forever and ever. Some years ago, I uh, went to speak at a high school assembly in the state of Mississippi. And the little uh, president of the student body, so nervous. And uh, he said, I just was elected the president of the student body. And I've got to lead in the 
in the Pledge of Allegiance today. And I said, oh, you'll do fine, you know. And I was encouraging him. Bless his little heart. He said his hands were shaking. And he said, if you'll all stand, please, and join with me, turn and face the flag, and let's join together in the, this Pledge of Allegiance. And he put his hand over his heart and turned and looked at the flag, and he said, our Father, which art in heaven. <laughs> Everybody responded just like you did. Bless his heart. He could not hear it. He could not hear it. He looked at everybody. He didn't know what everybody was laughing about. He said, now this is serious. He said, this is the Pledge of Allegiance. Turn and bless his heart. He turned and looked at that flag and he said, now join with me. With your hands on your hearts. Our Father, which art in heaven. I was sitting behind him on the platform. The principal, the principal. This is what you get if you go to high school in Mississippi. The principal was laughing so hard that he was shaking. And I realized nobody was going to help this boy. And I said, son, that's the Lord's prayer. And he said, oh, no. Listen to this. This is God's truth. He bowed his head and he said, I pledge allegiance to the <laughs> I said, have a seat, son. It's all over. Once you get in a hole, stop digging. I want to I share with you tonight a, a, a little instrument of prayer. This is not going to be any very exciting message tonight. It's just a little pastoral teaching in the midst of this uh, intense. The purpose of a, of a church-wide fast, it seems to me, and Jensen Franklin is really one of the foremost authorities on this in the modern church, and, but it seems to me, at least I could say this, the purpose of this is to arrive at a time of heightened spiritual sensitivity in the corporate body of Christ. Now, what we want is to, is to tingle at his presence because undistracted, we're, we're able to hear from him in a new and fresh way. So I'd like to just give you a, an instrument, something simple and easy to use, which really I'm not giving you at all, but the Lord has already given us. And, and that is the Lord's prayer combined with the 23rd Psalm. I, I believe that these two passages of Scripture actually are the same thing. And I just want to guide you through these two passages of Scripture and how they connect. Let's look first of all, just quickly, our Father who art, who is, our Father who is. Look at how David begins the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is our Father who is. The Lord is. I, I'm not going to teach tonight on, on meditating through a passage, but, but let me just give you this thought. Sometime when you have a more extended period of time, I'm talking about the quick prayer, the fast prayer, the Lord's prayer. It takes maybe 10, 15 seconds for you to say it. But when you have time to pray it and meditate your way through a passage, take it word by word. The Lord the Lord, not another Lord. There aren't any of the Lord. Then pray, Lord, Lordship. He's the Lord, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. The Lord is. The Lord is. So you pray each word in succession. The Lord is. David repeats twice in the Psalms, 14 and 53. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. So David's David's central articulation of his, of his faith, 
is in the reality that the Lord is. Our Father who is. If you can only get that one reality during this month of January when we fast together as our pastor leads us. If you just got that one reality that no matter what, no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, no matter what you, what rises up to, to hurt you or harm you or hinder you in any way, you can say, yes, I see all that, but the Lord is. The Lord is our Father who art. Secondly, He is heavenly. I, I, I thank God that every single one of you, I'm praying and believing every one of you had a dad like I had. Wonderful father. My dad never laid a hand on me. My dad was a, a veteran of two foreign wars, tough guy, but a loving father. And uh, he, he's a, a, a great dad. But I know that either here or some of those who are watching on the internet, that some of you did not have dads that were like that. And D Jesus is reminding us that God is a heavenly father, that he doesn't have any of the weaknesses, even of the best father. Even the very best father in the world sometimes is too busy. Sometimes he's distracted. Sometimes he comes home from work with a bad mood. Sometimes he needs to kick the cat. Sometimes he's, he's just, you know, even the best dad in the world, but not God. The Lord who is, not that he's in heaven distracted from us, not that he's in heaven withdrawn from us. It says our father is heavenly. He's perfect. Hallowed be thy name, the holiness of God. He is worthy to be praised. That not praising him is an aberration. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy name is holy. Second, Jesus goes into the kingship of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In the King James Version, we usually pray when we pray commonly in Protestant churches, we usually pray the, prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we call it in the Protestant church. Those of you who grew up in the Catholic community, you know it's called the Our Father. And, and in the Protestant church, we usually pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But in the King James Bible, it actually says, In earth, even as it is in heaven. Well, I, I just want to ask you a simple question. What are you made of? What are you made of? Earth. So what you are actually saying is, Lord, may your will be done in the earth of me. In the earth, yes, on the earth, on the planet, but in the earth of me, in this earth, may your will be done in me as it's done in the angels, instant, immediate, without question, and joyfully in your presence. May I live and move in your will, even as that will is done and exercised in unspeakable joy, even in heaven. Furthermore, his will is a good will. Because he is a heavenly father, I submit to his will joyfully. It's not, it's not dogged obedience. I, I remember one time I, I was uh, with Dr. Tommy Tyson, and I was telling him, I was a Methodist pastor, and I was telling him, going through this whole thing, I said, Tommy, I, I, uh, I feel like the Lord is calling me into a work of missionary evangelism. And, and I said, I don't want to do it. I, I just want to pastor this Methodist church. I just want to stay right here. And I just feel like God is calling me. And, and I just don't want to do it. Tommy was a very eccentric brother, brilliant, brilliant mind. And, and, uh, he was very healthy. Um, he was 350, 400 pounds healthy. 
And uh, he had an odd way of laughing. He laughed. <laughs> Up in his throat like that. And I was telling him all this. How I, you know, God is just dragging me out to do missionary evangelism. And I, I don't want to go. And Tommy put his hands on his tummy like this. And he said, well, <laughs> he said, you're lying. I said, Dr. Tyson, what a thing to say. He said, no, you don't know it. He said, you're not lying to me. You're lying to yourself. He said, you want to do it so bad you can taste it, but you're afraid to admit it. I said, well, suppose that's true. I don't know that that's true, but suppose that's true. Why would I do that? He said, because you're just like everybody else. You think that the will of God is like medicine. Unless it tastes bad, it won't do you any good. But the will of God, taste and see that it's sweet. Thy will be done in me, in earth, on earth, in this congregation, in this church, in Gainesville, in wherever you live. Thy will be done is a prayer of joyful surrender. Lord, nothing could be better than your will being done. The joyful plea for his dominion in my life because I love him, I love his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Look, at, I want to show you how David illuminates this. Look at how he broadens this. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. My, my family moved constantly when I was growing up. We were nomads, and we just... Uh, moved all the time. My dad was never unemployed. Not that we lived out of the boot of a car or anything like that. He was never unemployed. He was just frequently employed, creatively employed. And uh, we moved all the time. I went to five schools in the first grade. And, uh, and one of the places where we lived one time, we lived in a rent house on a sheep farm. And I learned something about sheep. When the Bible says we are the sheep of his pasture, I just want to say to you that that is not the nicest thing that could be said about somebody. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. If he's my shepherd, it means I'm his sheep. Can I just say something to you? I know you see them on cards and pictures of little fluffy, cute things. Listen, one of the stupidest creatures that God has ever made <laughs> is a sheep. They are incredibly stupid if there's a flock of sheep up here and I can make the first one jump over this speaker right here, if I can make the first one jump over the speaker, then I can move the speaker and every other one after that will jump when they get to that place. <laughs> Furthermore, a sheep is so stupid and so fearful, so unable to provide for itself or defend itself, it's almost totally under the need of a shepherd. And a, and a sheep is so fearful that if the river, if water is running, a sheep won't drink. How stupid is that? <laughs> it has to be a lake, a pool, a pond, something like that for a sheep to drink. That's the reason David says he leads me beside the still waters because I'm so stupid, I won't drink from the river. Then David says, not only is he my heavenly father, look at verse 4, he is my companion guardian. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. What a statement of the, of the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. 
our guardian who walks with us in every situation. Then he becomes somewhat more extravagant. This seems like strange language to read during the uh, during a, a churchwide fast, but look at look at this wonderful language. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. In other words, David is saying God doesn't just provide for us; He provides with extravagance, abundance. Now let me let me just talk to you a little bit about this. Give us this day our daily bread. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over abundance. Yes, the daily bread, but also God's tremendous blessing. Now listen to this. Do you know, do you know what makes all you can eat restaurants work? Please don't take any offense at this. And if you run, if you run an all you can eat restaurant, please, please don't sue me. I'm trying to help you. Do you know what makes an all-you-can-eat restaurant work? Underlying it is actually the spirit of poverty, the spirit of want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the spirit of poverty says, I paid my $9.99. I'm going to eat until I kill myself. I'm I'm fixing to blow my stomach up. Because, why? Because I'm not sure there will be anything to eat tomorrow. I'm going to eat everything I see today. That's the spirit of poverty. But the spirit of abundance says, I've paid this. I can eat only what's good for me because I know that my God will supply tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. When the... When the concentration camps in Europe were liberated, they brought the little children that had been in those concentration camps out. You know what one of the major problems was? They couldn't sleep at night. They couldn't sleep. The poor little kids have been in the concentration. They couldn't sleep. They would feed them, bathe them, care for them, give them new clothes. But at night, they just couldn't sleep. They would lay in their bunks and cry and be restless. And you know how they finally fixed it? The United States Army, when the children would go to bed, would give each child a slice of bread to hold in their hand so that they would know tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to have a slice of bread. Now listen to me. The children of God are not emaciated children who have escaped from a concentration camp. Your God who took care of you today is going to take care of you tomorrow. He is the he is the God of abundance and blessing. I don't have to live in fear because I don't have to want, live in want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't have to live in the spirit of poverty because God is going to anoint me, bless me, feed me, walk with me, protect me, guard me, shield me, and then make me to drink from a still pool because I'm too stupid to drink from a river. And then, look at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. What's the corollary in the Lord's prayer? Forgive us of our sins. 
as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Or you may read, forgive us of our debts. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. In other words, O Lord, heal me of all my sense of obligation and hurt and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Lead me in the paths of righteousness, which are the paths of healing and wholeness and wellness. During this season of fasting, say, Lord, I I don't just want to fast food. I want to fast unforgiveness. I want to fast bitterness. I want to put it away from me. I don't need it. Do you know one of the reasons that we hold on to hurts and wounds? I'm going to tell you, because they feel good. They feel good. We like to wallow in it. Lord, you know what my husband said to me yesterday. Lord, why don't you kill him? Kill him or fill him. I don't care which one. Because it feels good. We like to get in and wallow around. We marinate our lives in self-pity. But the paths of righteousness, he leads me in the paths of righteousness, which include forgiveness. It includes spiritual healing. It includes deliverance. God breaks bondage. Chains fall as we fast and walk in the goodness of God's healing pathway. He is my spiritual healer. He is my savior God. He forgives me and he leads me into the path of forgiveness. He restores my soul. The word soul is an interesting one. David, of course, when he wrote Psalm 23, he was writing in Greek. But if we think of the, uh, in the Hebrew, but if we think in Greek, the word soul might be, might be better translated psyche. The, the, the psychological self of you, the totality of your emotional being, your attitudes, your thoughts, your, your psychology. In other words, he heals my wounded psychology. He brings me into a path, not only of righteousness. Dr. Steve Green used to say, another way of saying righteousness is right thinking. He brings me into a pathway where I think right, free of bitterness, unforgiveness, woundedness. He heals all my damaged emotions. Furthermore, he leads me, lead us not into temptation. That's, that's a That may be the most misunderstood or misapplied verse in the entire Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. It's it's not saying, God, now you know, you got to quit tempting us to sin. Because if you would quit tempting us, we'd be all right. But God is not a sinner and he doesn't tempt us to sin. It means, oh Lord, lead us into places where I'm not tempted. Lead me, deliver us from evil. But a better way of translating is deliver us from the evil one. God, guide me into places where the trials and testing and temptations of the flesh and of the hurts and wounds of life, where I'm able to be led out of those things, away from those things, and into a place of such strength and such deliverance where I I can say the the Lord, my shepherd, walks with me in this and that he heals me and that he leads me in his paths of righteousness and leads me into a place where I think right. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from everything that is evil, hurtful, wounding in our lives. And then both passages, both passages end with a sense of eternity. Look how David ends. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus ends, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Both of them end with forever, saying, yes, he will feed me. He will protect me. He will guard me. He will take care of me. But at the end of everything, there is a foreverness. This is an eternal journey that we're on. This is an, an eternal walk. Now, I don't want to just give you this in theory tonight. Nearly a decade ago, I, I went through a difficult time in my life. It was a, a very difficult time, a dark place, a dark valley. If you've never been through one since you got saved or baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you may not understand, but just a, a dark place. I, I, I was struggling. And I, I turned to the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm. And I began probably, I, I, I'm saying this to you just, if you can just hear this, since that time, for nearly, nearly a decade now, I have probably said the Lord's Prayer maybe between 5 and 20 times a day. Every day, every day. And the 23rd Psalm nearly that many times. Because I found when, I know as Protestants and especially as Charismatics, we like freewheeling prayer. We don't want it scripted. We don't want it out of a prayer book. We want to just pray spontaneously. But I'm going to tell you, if you've ever come to a moment where you, you say, I, I can't pray. Satan is leering at you. Life is struggling. Depression is haunting you. Stress, fatigue, all of these things, uh, an institution weighing on you and you just feel I'm in a valley, I'm in a valley. You can't even, you can't even think of what to pray. Jesus says you don't have to think of what to pray. Just pray what I'm telling you. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver me from this and every evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You say that over and over and over and over again. It's wonderful. It's like, you know, it's fine to carry an automatic weapon or shotgun or machine gun or something. But, you know, every now and again, you need a derringer up your sleeve, you know? Satan comes in, you don't have anything. Just pop that derringer out and bust the cap in him. Pow! Our Father, who art in heaven, pow! This. And I know Jesus warns us against vain repetition. I'm not talking about vain repetition. I'm talking about clinging to the Lord's Prayer with one hand and the 23rd Psalm with the other when you don't have anything else to hang on to. It's not vain repetition. It's saying, Lord, it's the only thing I know to pray tonight, but I'm praying it. I'm praying it. So I, I would like to humbly suggest tonight that over the next, we have about 18 days left in the, in the fast until the, the last Sunday. What if, we have a couple of thousand people here tonight. What if a couple of thousand people in this room said, I will pray the Lord's Prayer at least twice every day between now and then. So 2,000 
Every day for 18 days. That's 36,000 times. That's the Lord's Prayer prayed 36,000 times. Those of you that are watching on the internet, you say, I'm in this. From 54 countries, maybe more tonight. They will say, all right, I'm in this. What if, what if everybody would pray it four times a day? Four times a day for 18 days, silently, on the job, while you're driving, lay your head down the minute you wake up. The minute I wake up in the morning, you know, one of the first thoughts in my mind is our Father which art in heaven. Because you pray it five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve times a day. Sometimes I pray it all day. And you wake up, it's on your mind. Tremendous comfort, tremendous sense of presence. I believe that, that the Lord's Prayer in the 23rd Psalm pulled me up out of the valley of the shadow of death. I, I believe that. And I'm offering it to you tonight. What if, what if over the next 18 days, a couple of thousand people in this room tonight were to pray the Lord's Prayer 75,000 times? It's not that, it's really not that unimaginable. Four times a day, that's 8,000 times 18. We're about there. I, I, I'm not laying this on you in the same way that Brother Franklin doesn't lay this fast on you. You don't obligate it. Nobody, Vinny's not coming to your house and break your kneecaps if you, uh, we saw you with that hamburger. You're out. <laughs> this is a, a loving and joyful community that's saying, look, we want January, we want January to be a time when we're seeking God in a new way. And we can fa- I can fast today. I can fast this month. I can fast all 21 days. Because when it's over, I know that there's God still going to be there and there's still going to be food. All the food in the world isn't going away while you fast. So th- this is not some obligation I'm laying on you. It's an, a prayer experiment. If you would then combine it with the 23rd Psalm, that by the end of the next 18 days, the 23rd Psalm is so much a part of you, so much a part of you, that it becomes one of the living spiritual realities of your life. The Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm, dozens and dozens and dozens of times in the next 18 days. I believe it'll have a transformational effect in your life. Furthermore, I don't know what it'll do in the life of our church and the life of our community the life of wherever you are as you're watching on the internet. I don't know what, what it might, what might happen if we prayed the Lord's Prayer 75,000 times in the next 18 days. Woo. Okay, I think I am going to make it an obligation. I didn't have, more I think about it, it's going to be a rule. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.